stimulated a revolution in our understanding of the importance of affection at many stages of our lives. When we're distressed, kindness helps. If we're facing tragedies, such as the loss of loved ones, the kindness of others helps. If we're having to face our own death, then feeling loved and wanted is important to our ability to face it. We now know that close friendships and affectionate relationships play a huge role in our mental health and well-being and influence how our bodies work. For example, people in affectionate relationships show lower levels of stress hormones and higher ones of happy hormones than those in relationships characterised by conflict. Research has also shown that the way we relate to ourselves, whether we regard ourselves kindly or critically, in a friendly and affectionate way or hostilely, can have a major influence on our ability to get through life's difficulties and create within ourselves a sense of well-being. All over the world now, researchers in many different fields are beginning to explore the power of kindness and affection and the ways to harness it. This is not a moment too soon, of course. We are confronted with considerable crises linked to a lack of compassion and of care for each other and our environment. We have become trapped by a competitive world that only seeks efficiency and profit maximisation. Each of us has a brain that has evolved over millions of years and is very sensitive to the social context in which it lives. So, while we can be compassionate, kind and selfless in some cooperative and supportive contexts, in others, competitive and threat-focused, we can be ruthless, cruel and very self-absorbed. So, from understanding the importance of affection on how our brains and bodies work and how modern culture operates on our psychology and our brains, turning compassion up or down, we're learning more and more about the importance of deliberately harnessing and focusing compassion. A personal journey. My own interest in compassion and the eventual writing of this book grew out of lots of different strands in my life. So let me take you behind the scenes and consider some of them. We can go back 40 years to when I was introduced to Jungian concepts of archetypes while doing my A-levels in the 1960s. These were the days of liberal studies and we had a fascinating young teacher who lectured from his just-finished PhD on something like a Jungian analysis of the novel. We'd look at the plots and characters of various books in terms of underlying archetypes and the common themes in human history, such as the hero, the villain, the sacrifices of love and loyalty, vengeance from betrayal, the death of the hero, and so on. Great stuff. Archetypes, which George Lucas used to write his Star Wars movies, speak to the innate aspects of our minds, the source of the repeating desires and relationships that echo down through history, as we will see later in this book. However, 
Although, even as a teenager, the idea of becoming a psychologist was starting to shimmer in my mind, assuming I couldn't make it with my rock band, my main studies were in politics and economics, and so I pursued those at university. I became very interested in how economic relationships impact on lifestyle and life quality, a theme that Karl Marx addressed. Marx was also a great fan of Darwin, and Darwin was honoured to receive a copy of Marx's Das Kapital in 1873, and wrote to him that we both earnestly desire the extension of knowledge, and that this is, in the long run, sure to add to the happiness of mankind. According to Marx's biographer Francis Wien, on the 17th of March, 1883, as Marx's coffin was being lowered into the earth of Highgate...